Hello and welcome to Love the Agent, your new favorite podcast for all things real estate. From purchasing and rehab to staging and selling, Love the Agent covers it all. Introducing your host, Alexandria Bolton. Alex is the principal broker of Hippo House, LLC. She's been practicing real estate for over 15 years. Licensed in Kentucky and Florida, Hippo House offers commercial, residential, and management services. You can find out more at lovetheagent.com. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Love the Agent Podcast. I am here today with Nick Wright, and we are going to be talking about home inspections. Hey, Nick, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I know that you have started a company doing home inspections. Did you start that in Louisville, or where did you start that? Uh, I'm born and raised in Southern Indiana, so we're based out of New Albany. Um, I started the company five years ago, and uh, this month actually is our five-year anniversary in business. Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. Seems like you guys are killing it, I think, by every standard. You pulled up with a nice nice big (laughs) truck with your logo all over it. Yeah, that's something I uh, take a lot of pride in. Uh, all of our inspectors have company vehicles, fully logoed. I like to like to be seen out there and advertise. That's awesome. I get too scared to put my logo on my vehicle because I'm afraid someone's going to know who the terrible driver is and how to get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take the baby on board sticker off for that same reason. <laughs> <laughs> So you started your company five years ago. Were you working for anyone else before you got into that? No, uh, I come from a commercial construction background. I started working for a large commercial general contractor uh, in Louisville when I was uh, about 19 out of high school. I started off there uh, as a general laborer, worked my way up through the ranks doing carpentry, master carpentry, uh, superintendent position, then got into some project management and estimating. Uh, And I was at that company for about 12 years and uh, had an opportunity to go to another uh, local contracting company and did uh, business development and operations for them for about two and a half years before starting this. What made you want to get into residential home inspections? Um, I honestly had never even thought about it. I was kind of used to the uh, commercial like uh, construction scene and just be working for a professional company. But uh, my wife, she's the one that actually got the idea in my head and she used to work at Z Salon and uh, she was a haircutter there. And uh, one of her long term clients, uh, her and her husband actually owned a franchise of a home inspection company in Louisville at the time. And um, Jenny came home from work one day and said she had talked to this client for an hour or so while she was cutting her hair. And this woman uh, knew of my background and everything. And um, she basically told Jenny I would be a, the perfect home inspector and I should highly consider it. And she came home that night and put the bug in my ear about it. And you listened. What a smart man. props to you for recognizing a good opportunity when it came landed in your lap yes and you are the perfect home inspector I had no idea your background but that makes a hundred percent sense yeah it it was it was pretty interesting really like uh when she came home and told me about it we like I had never really considered that as a profession and uh or much less 
us even like working for myself or owning my own business. And I honestly like traits of a home inspector because we had had two home inspections previously with the homes that we had owned and um i googled traits of a home inspector and i was like holy cow this describes me perfectly with like my sales background my carpentry background and all that is like i got all the hands-on experience sales experience and everything and it was kind of uh, the perfect description of myself and my work background did you quit your job and commit to this full time or did you have a weaning off period where you kind of did two things at once to get it off the ground? So I quickly pulled the trigger on it. I've, I've never been much of a risk taker until getting into this industry, but um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I found a school. So I think she came home on like a Thursday or something like that and had told me this. I found a school that started like the following Friday. And I was just like, what the heck, let's give it a go. I quit my job and uh, started the school the following week. So I went into it just full force. Uh, some stuff I had read before, like really pulling the trigger, like the next day or whatever. But it said, you really, if you're going to do home inspection and want to be successful, you cannot be part time at it. So I was just like, uh, going to give it a shot. I was like, I've never been an entrepreneur before. My wife's family, uh, they're all, her dad's uh, got three other brothers and um, they're all entrepreneurs and stuff. And Jenny was just like, let's just take a, take a risk and try this out. And it, knock on wood, it's worked out fantastic so far. Yeah. You guys have a really spectacular chemistry between you as far as business goes. I've had communications with both of you and you guys really make a team effort and it's a strong team. So congratulations on that success that you guys have had and working together. I'm sure that can't be easy all the time, but you sure make it look easy. I, I, we try. It's a, it's a daily struggle, keeping it, keeping it all going strong and uh, remaining in front of all our competition. So yeah. Well, I found out about you through Instagram. Originally, you had a really strong social media profile. Your, their Instagram handle is at your right choice. And that's W-R-I-G-H-T for right, which is their last name. Again, that's at your right choice. Uh, but you guys have a really, really amazing marketing presence. I appreciate that very much. Uh, it's just something from day one. Um, I saw a lack of it. So, I mean, when I started this in 2015, um, there were no home inspectors in, in the whole area around. I mean, I, I mean, easily few hundred mile radius or something, but nobody had any social media presence whatsoever. And I just saw, I saw the need for it. I mean, there's agents out there on social media and, and uh, some lenders and stuff like that. And I was like, there are no home inspectors on Facebook, Instagram, anything. Um, and that's, that's honestly, I mean, I, I credit that to a lot of uh, our business growth and everything is from the, the social media presence. And um, five years later, you see every home inspector in the area now is doing social media and um yeah and trying trying to have a presence online and stuff well they don't have anything compared to you <laughs> <laughs> um so how long did the schooling take for you to get through uh so the home inspection school um it's honestly not a terribly long process uh the ones i put my guy through uh are my guys that i bring on board um it's a full week dedicated to uh in-person training and then there's probably about um 
let's say like 40 to 50 hours of like online stuff that you have to do. Uh, but once you complete that class and everything, you have to take tests uh, associated with that particular class. And once you pass that, then you are qualified to take a national exam after that. So uh, me personally, with my, with my background in construction and everything, the class came easy. The test was, uh, it was decent with the class. It wasn't terribly hard. Uh, the national exam, though, that's another story. That, that's a 250-question timed exam that's proctored and everything. That is a difficult exam, and uh, most people don't, like, actually pass that exam after going through the classes and stuff but uh, yeah it's something you really have to know a lot about every aspect of a home and um, be knowledgeable in all that. I always wonder what it would be like if they made general contractors take a home inspectors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean just how much more efficient everybody might you know move together but who knows. Um, so it sounds like the schooling was a mixture of online and, and in-person work. Is that correct? Yes, 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 that's correct. That's neat. So the exam was just a, a real-world application of all the stuff that you had learned? Yeah, we, we literally, as a home inspector, um, we're not licensed in every field, but we have to have uh, extensive knowledge in every field and every aspect of a home. So we have to be knowledgeable in uh, HVAC, electric, framing, uh, roofing, uh, all mechanicals. Uh, I mean, you name it with the home, we have to know about it and know how like things are installed, how they operate, uh, things that could go wrong with them, et cetera. But yeah, the, the national exam is difficult. They, they, they tell you in ahead of time that they have some quote unquote, like test questions for like future, uh, national exam but uh it, it always throws my guys and it threw myself off but like the first 50 questions of the test you're just like oh my gosh this none of this was in the study material none of this was taught to me i've never heard of it those are the test questions and then like after you get through those first 50 then it's all stuff that we we've, we've studied and learned and everything like that yeah that's how it was for the real estate exam and on a previous episode we about becoming an agent and what that process is like we talked about it and i know that for us they offer pra practice exams and i'm wondering if they offer practice exams for you guys as well yes there's uh they i think there's two or three different forms you can get online you have to pay for them but they kind of prep you for the exam and stuff like that but the the schools that we my guys go through and everything they give you a lot of prep books and everything there's probably like 12 different books you get and uh supposed to go through all of those just so you know the ins and outs of a home i wish i could just download all of the information that they learn into my brain through like a i'll come bring you a pack of books so you can go through <laughs> yeah, well, that'll, that'll take too long i'm gonna get the audio ver book version of that going <laughs> so now i'd like to go into the process of a home inspection a little bit so our listeners can have an idea of what they should expect on their home inspection uh, but please keep in mind that Nick is a Kentucky and Indiana based home inspector and for each state or a region of the country, they can be very different of what's required, what they expect, what is serviced. Um, so let's just talk briefly what is involved with a home inspection. So a uh, home inspection, um, a typical home inspection on an average size home will typically take about two and a half to three hours. Um, we start on the outside of a home and we are literally looking at 
outside, inside, top to bottom, every single thing included with the home. So our home inspections, we will start on the outside. Um, and we usually just pick a corner and we'll go, we'll go clockwise usually, but um, we're scanning top to bottom. We're looking at trim, siding, windows, doors, uh, all your sealant around those uh, items. Uh, we're checking like hose bib fixtures, uh, checking electric panels if they're outside, but looking at everything uh, associated with all that and notating things as we go. Uh, all of my guys will do about two to three laps around your house, uh, scanning top to bottom, like I said, just to see if there's any deficiencies that they found that they didn't see the first time around. Uh, after that, um, we will do the roof portion. So uh, all of my guys are equipped with with good ladders. We actually have safety roof shoes that keep us from marring up your shingles and stuff Ooh, like that when, when you walk on them. Um, but yeah, we'll walk every single roof that we can get on. Uh, if, if we cannot physically get on a roof, uh, all of my guys are equipped with drones. So we utilize oh, some of the like so latest cool. awesome technology. I never want to tell any of my clients um, like don't know or could didn't see that or whatever. So I, I never wanted any don't knows or anything like that in our reports or and props just to uh, you for that. I have had an inspector that gave me a report that said, you know, I don't know anything about the roof. Basically I couldn't get up there and I'm thinking right. why, you know, now I need to go have a roof company come out and inspect and I didn't accomplish the full inspection. So I love right. that. You're, you're, you're paying us for a full inspection. We're going to give you to the best of our ability of full inspection. So if we cannot physically get on the roof, we're going, we're flying the drone up there, taking multiple picture videos, et cetera, uh, just so we can see. I mean, mo the, the drones are so high tech now. It's almost like you've got a bird's eye view directly on your phone looking at it. We could see missing shingles, even granules missing stuff like that um, but yeah we'll, we'll do the full roof inspection um, and then we work our way inside we'll come in usually through the garage uh, checking the garage door checking its operation checking all outlets and stuff like that and then working our way into the inside of the house so when we get to the inside it's kind of, I mean it's all all the same thing really I mean scanning every single room top to bottom we're looking at flooring drywall ceilings we're checking uh, light switches, outlets for proper wiring, uh, checking. Do you smoke. check every window? Uh, yes. So that's something I've always taken pride in as well. So national home inspector standards, they only require home inspectors to technically, like if you walk in a room and there's two windows, you only have to check one of them technically. Uh, if there's like four outlets in a room, you don't have to check one of those outlets. But I, I've told my guys, I wanna go above and beyond since day one of starting this. That's what I've decided I wanted to do. And we go above those standards of practice and every readily accessible window, door, outlet, we are checking it. We're not gonna just go in and be like, oh, we just followed our standards of practice and only checked one item in the room. And, um, but yeah, we, we, we like to go above and beyond just so everybody's got a good peace of mind uh legally we're not allowed to move furniture and stuff so it's all readily accessible items uh, we can't go moving like dressers or beds or anything to get to outlets and stuff like that but um yeah so we even get into the kitchen uh we're checking for proper like ground fault outlets installed with any any area that's subject to moisture intrusion uh checking all the kitchen appliances as well um, for proper operation. Um, 
but yeah, after making our way through the first floor, second floor, we usually hit the attic before we go to the basement, but all of our guys will physically get in the attic if, if it's possible. We get a lot of these older homes in our area where uh, you've got attic scuttle holes that are barely large enough to stick your head through. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, another thing with that, like our, I've, I buy my guys selfie sticks for uh, that exact reason. So I'm saying, don't no know, way. couldn't see you in your I'm attic. Saying, They're sticking crazy. a camera pole up there and we're taking pictures all around your attic, even if we can't physically like poke our head up there. I was so. going to ask if you had a mini drone that you flew in there, but sounds like you have a more creative and solution. <laughs> yeah, the flying a drone blonde up there might be a little risky. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so after that, uh, we will work our way down to the basement, and um, we're looking at all the foundation uh, or crawl space. We're getting in the crawl spaces as well, but uh, checking out all your foundation components. We're checking the furnace for proper operation, air conditioner for proper operation, uh, removing the electric panel cover, looking at all your wiring, make sure everything's uh, up to par with all that, and documenting every single thing as we go. Um, our reports are awesome for that. Uh, actually build your report while we're working the property and, and doing that. So like, as we're taking a picture or something, it's automatically putting it into your report as we go. And we actually sit down with the clients at the end and, and, and walk them through every single defect that we found that day. And, um, it's awesome for the fact that it also dictates what things are maintenance items, what things are suggested improvement items. And then also we have a category for things that are potential safety or um, immediate attention items. So it's pretty common that you'll see on a home inspection report that they will highlight in red or have a big red X or, you know, make it very obvious whenever there is something to be fixed. And you guys definitely include that in your reports. And beyond that, they're also very informative a lot of times on how old your appliances are, how old your roof is, which is an insurance question a lot of times. They frequently tell you where your main water, main water shutoff valve is. So I think people forget how valuable those reports are and they'll contact me later, you know, a year or two later and say they're having an issue with some unknown water shutoff valve in their crawl space that they forgot about. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, here's where that shutoff is. You know, it's on your report. So I think that they're really, really, really helpful, the reports that you guys give out. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's something too. I mean, we really take a lot of pride in educating our clients like while Mm -hmm. they're there with us. So we encourage, uh, a lot of inspectors don't care either way, but we, we encourage every single client of ours to be there present with us. So a day of inspection, we could actually walk them around, show them the things that we found. So they're seeing it firsthand experience. So they're not freaking out when they get the report and they had never seen uh, the issues that we were pointing out and stuff like that. It's a lot better in my opinion to explain those things in person and let them visually see what we're uh, putting in the report. And as an agent for homeowners, for first-time homeowners, I demand, you know, I strongly recommend that they show up for the end of the inspection. And I always have my clients and myself show up at the end of the inspection so as not to get in an, in an inspector's way. But if it's a homeowner or an owner-occupant house, basically, then I always want them to show up and get as much information from the inspector as possible. But fortunately, the reports are also so informative that for my investor clients who 
usually don't have the time. They might be out of state. They don't want to show up for the inspection. I like working with Right Choice Home Inspections because I can trust that you guys are going to give a really strong report that's going to be very informative for them. So it's not, you don't have to show up. It's not the end of the world if you don't um, because of such a healthy report that you guys give out. Yeah, and with the with all the COVID stuff that's happened recently, we've adopted some uh, new practices. So for those out-of-town clients or investors that aren't able to be there, uh, or anybody with COVID in general that does not feel comfortable showing up, uh, we do now, at a bare bones minimum, make a phone call and go over the whole thing with the client. Uh, at the first initial point of the phone call, we offer to FaceTime or Skype them uh, so we can do a virtual like walkthrough with them on site while we're there. That's a good idea. That's awesome. You guys have a lot of COVID implementations that are very impressive as a small business owner that you know, you're really taking it seriously and putting a good product out for your clients regardless of the circumstances. So props to you on that as well. Thank you. So uh, let's go over some of the, so, and I know that a basement, for example, is something that is very specific to the Middle East and, you know, it's less likely to find that on coast, coasts and things like that. Um, so I, another one that I think is more common for us that you might not find elsewhere is termites. Uh, but I'm, you know, is wood, is wood destroying insects an issue across the country? Is that more in the Middle East? Are you familiar with that at all? It's, it's, it's more of a Midwest thing. I mean, like down in Florida and stuff, uh, there's a different type of uh, termite, but here in the Midwest, um, I they're... always call it the Mid East. <laughs> we are in the Midwest. <laughs> I, didn't want, right? I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> well, thank you for correcting. Uh, no, but here in the Midwest, uh, we have subterranean termites. So they come from the ground up, and that that's a crucial part of the inspections here, is because you'll you'll see them coming from the ground uh, around your foundation and stuff, and they'll work their way up. Uh, down in like Florida and stuff, I believe they have more of like a flying termite and stuff like that so it's a totally different baby like depending on what area of the what region of the country you're in but uh, as far as termite inspections go I, I leave that up to the trusted professionals um, there's some things that I, I take pride in knowing about and everything I can literally go take a four-hour course and be a licensed termite inspector but we work with a local professional company uh, Black Diamond Pest Control uh, I'll leave that stuff up to the local professionals they've been in business for 50 plus years and um, they, they know what they're doing so I, I, I want to always provide the best service possible with the most knowledgeable people possible in those aspects and you guys even schedule it for people so I think that that's a, an outstanding that even if you don't offer it, you're still willing to get it done for people because it really just, you guys are familiar with what needs to be inspected. And I really appreciate that you go above and beyond to help us get everything. I mean, we know, we know how stressful the home buying uh, experience is for the home buyer. So, I mean, we, we try to handle every single thing for you guys and for the agent, um, just scheduling everything. So we don't want to uh, just say we're going to handle the home inspection only. You need to call a termite guy, a radon guy, a pool inspector. We don't want all those different phone calls and people having to worry about all that. We're, we're just a one-stop shop and uh, we like to handle everything for you and make it painless and easy. So you brought up another topic that I think is more common for our area. I think it's more common for basements, but it's definitely one that I'm curious um, what your take is on it. Radon, can you tell people what it is and 
how it's inspected? So radon, um, I'm now a expert in radon. We recently launched our own uh, radon service company and air quality company uh, called Breathe Right. Um, but you can you can check us out online and stuff Is and on Instagram and W R I G H T. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, but anyway, radon is a it's an odorless, colorless, um, like tasteless gas. You can't see it. You can't smell it, anything like that. But it is a radioactive, naturally occurring gas that is predominant in the Midwest, uh, out west. Like if you get on epa.gov and click on the radon section, they've got an interactive map with like showing uh, different levels of severity across the country, but it's pretty much a band, a large wide band right across the central um, area of our whole country. Uh, so all the way from like uh, Virginia across to California, there's just a wide band going across and that's just due to the rock in the ground. So radon comes from uranium and uh, uh, uranium is a radioactive uh, element that naturally occurs but whenever it breaks down it turns into a gas form and it finds it finds its way into your home so a common misconception is that it only occurs on basement foundations and that is not true. So it, we find it daily. Uh, we test for radon by using a what they call a continuous radon monitor and it's approved for real estate transactions. But it's a little machine will come in, set in your home and it, we do a 48 hour test for this. And it takes hourly readings uh, of the radon levels in your home and then we get a detailed report at the end of the 48 hours. But uh, radon is on all different foundation types from basements to crawl space. We even see them in slab foundations as well. Um, it can occur on any home and it just finds your finds its way in through any cracks, any penetrations that you have. Uh, pressure, barometric pressure could like force radon into your home and stuff. So there's multiple ways that it could find its way in. But uh, if you do have elevated levels, which the EPA considers anything above uh, 4.0 picocuries per liter, that's how the gas is measured in picocuries. Um, but anything above 4.0 is considered uh, harmful. Anything below 4.0 is considered safe. Um, so if it is above, we uh, would recommend mitigating that. And uh, there's all different types of ways to mitigate the gas as well to make it safe for your home. What's an example of a, just one of the mitigation options? Uh, the most common uh, on like a crawl space or a, or a basement foundation would just be uh, you, you install a or even like a slab foundation, but uh, the most common, we're gonna come in and drill about a five inch hole in your concrete in the basement or in the slab. Uh, and then you insert a PVC pipe into there, four inch PVC pipe. Uh, and that's gonna be routed to the outside usually. And uh, on the outside of the pipe, uh, on the outside of the home, you will see a fan attached to it. So installing that and uh, hooking electric up to it, it basically works like a large, like a exhaust fan. Um, sucking the air out from underneath the home, like collecting the radon and dispersing it back outside. So it creates basically like a circular motion of the air and stuff and, and makes it safe for, um, uh, reduces the levels and makes it safe in your home. Interesting. Does Breathe Right also address mold issues? Yes, we uh, we do not we do not do uh, mitigation or remediation for mold, but we do test indoor air quality. 
And uh, we've got some awesome machines that do that. Uh, we've partnered with this company out of Norway, believe it or not. That's who are testing machines for the RAID on or through. And they also specialize in air quality machines. And uh, we've got some air quality machines. They'll tell you all different kinds of stuff that's in your air. Uh, and then we also do mold testing as well. Uh, and we've partnered with a local um, laboratory here in Louisville. Uh, so we could come in, do sampling, air samples, if there's uh, suspect mold. If you have visible mold, we could also do like swab tests or samples and send them off to the lab as well. But you get a detailed report, uh, usually in about two to three days. And uh, we'll consult with you over the phone and, and tell you what's all in your air and some ways to help improve that. Uh, without sounding like a smart ass, what would be the point, point of doing a swab analysis on visual mold? Like just to confirm that it is mold? Uh, well, there's all different kinds of mold. I mean, there, there's tons and tons of different types of mold. Some of them are considered like less heard of the black mold, for instance, but uh, mm -hmm. that's probably the most the most harmful to, to you to breathe in. Some are more easily treatable than others and stuff like that. So uh, doing the swab on a visible type of mold, um, I mean, doing the home inspections and stuff and doing these mold tests now, I mean, you, there's all different kinds. You see like white fuzzy mold, like green mold, black mold, uh, even seen like orange or red color mold. So it's, it's just good to identify those types and find out like the best route to address those. Yeah, I, I could also see where that might be uh, helpful if you're dealing with a tenant or trying to figure out like the right remediation. So just to clarify, you guys do offer mitigation or remediation for radon, but not for mold. Correct. Cool. Do you think that that's something you'll get into or you probably just going to stay away from that? Uh, well, I'm going to stay away from that. So. Yeah. Let the <laughs> Again, uh, that's another, that's another uh, area I'm going to leave up to the trusted professionals. So you actually have to have a license to do all that. And I prefer to use companies. There's two companies local that we would refer for that. Um, but yeah, the people that specialize in that and do it on a daily basis, I'd prefer to leave that up to them after we identify some issues. And then I have a question that is going to just make me sound stupid, but that's okay. Carbon monoxide, is that something that, I mean, that's what comes out of a car if you left it in your garage, right? Correct. So that is when you have a carbon monoxide detector, that's almost like a smoke detector where it's an immediate, you know, like we have an emergency if there, if it does get detected, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Any any fuel burning appliance in your home has the capability of producing carbon monoxide in your home. Um, so okay, again, gotcha. not a standard of practice uh, by home inspectors to test for that. But all of our guys have uh, clip on um, carbon monoxide detectors that they wear at all times uh, during a home inspection. So as we're walking throughout the entire house. Uh, it's gonna. It's taking air samples um, and and letting us know if there's anything like that in the air. But yeah, we definitely test at any fuel burning appliance. Uh, so your water heaters, gas furnaces, stuff like that. Uh, we're we're trying to identify any uh, potential carbon monoxide leaks and letting people know about them. So if you have a home that has gas burner or uh, gas appliances in any way, you should definitely have a carbon monoxide detector. Is that correct? Uh, so yeah, and that's that's something we check for as well. Most modern um, smoke detectors are also dually carbon monoxide detectors. Um, 
you can pull off the smoke detector on most of them by just twisting them off and you can look at the back and it'll, it'll dictate on the back label if it's also approved for carbon dioxide. Uh, like I said, most brand new Wait a minute, uh, is model, it carbon model. monoxide or carbon dioxide? Carbon monoxide. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I'm, I misunderstood you. It's okay. Yeah, we yeah. If we if we don't see them in the house, uh, we will we will recommend them. If especially if you have fuel burning appliances and stuff. And in Kentucky, it is a state requirement that you have smoke detectors or that the seller sign an affidavit saying that they are pro providing them, or you can refuse to do so. But it's definitely a state requirement, and you have to sign a document saying that you refuse to do so if you don't want to do so. But they're not taken lightly here in Kentucky. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go over some of the more, more memorable moments that you have had as an inspector. Sounds good. Okay, so we're coming back from our little break, and I wanted to ask you, do you always get down in the crawl? How, will you just go as deep in until you can't reach anything else? Yeah, again, uh, any accessible area, like we're going to be checking it out. So, um, I mean, I was just in one yesterday, for instance, it was a 1800s built farmhouse in Indiana, but uh, I was only able to get to about three quarters of the uh, crawl space due to obstructions. I mean, the, the duct work and beams and stuff in this home were sitting maybe six inches off the ground, and I, I'm not that skinny to get underneath something <laughs> six inches off the ground, but yeah, any anywhere that's readily accessible, we're going through it with the fine tooth comb, uh, documenting pictures, videos, any defects that we see down there as well. Do you guys, do you give your employees a special suit so that they can get down there without messing up their clothes? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I need one uh, of those, I think. Yeah, no, this this sounds goofy, but we, we've taken pride in being, uh, we call ourselves the Chick-fil-A of home inspectors. So uh, all my guys are like professionally dressed, like uh, polo shirts tucked into like khaki colored work pants and stuff. But like I always tell them like stay as clean as you can. So they've all got coveralls and face masks and stuff like that to go down in a crawl space. If they're going to get really dirty, uh, they still got ways to keep their clothes clean underneath mm -hmm. so and a crawl space and foundation issues again you know they're less common in other parts of the area that are, don't have basements or their homes don't have, you know are built more on slabs but they're such a huge part of real estate transactions in Kentucky and they can make or break a transaction they can make or break the integrity of a house I've really come across some scary foundation issues that have forced us to walk away from a deal. And one of them that I'm thinking of is a foundation wall that was made of like cinder blocks and the whole wall was caving in, in the front of the house. And these people had, you know, oyster jacked up the foundation and every part of the crawl that was accessible, you know, it was like a basement crawl. Every mm -hmm. part that was accessible, it was beautifully immaculate, clean, taken care of. But the front of the home, and you could just see it, you know, by using a selfie stick, kind of like you were talking about, or like flashing a light up there, was just completely caving in. And it was scary. How do you, you know, what's some of the stuff that you guys have come across that you've had to just tell people to walk away from? 
Well, we we can't legally tell somebody to walk right, away. Right. We can we can, we can strongly strongly stress away, an issue wink, to wink. somebody, but yeah, <laughs> no, we we can like uh, strongly stress particular issues and like the importance of having them addressed. But yeah, foundations are a very common issue around here, um, especially like the concrete block or cinder block foundations. You'll see those on a lot of older homes downtown Louisville, downtown New Albany, and Jeffersonville stuff like that. But um, there's not as strong as poured concrete. And, and uh, we see on a daily basis, like uh, old foundations deteriorating, like starting to cave in or lean in, uh, just large cracks that are leaking. Uh, it's just something that people don't really pay a lot of attention to. Like even on newer homes, I mean, we see daily um, hairline cracks with like moisture coming through them and people, the homeowners like, oh, we never, we never saw that. And I mean, it's just our job to come in and identify those things. And uh, there's always, there's everything in our opinion. Um, so, I mean, during a home inspection, like we always tell people like, literally everything can be fixed it just depends on the dollar amount i mean there's there's That's nothing it depends yeah. on how much you have much money you have or you how much interest you have you yeah you could <laughs> you could fix anything there's nothing like ever that you should just really be like that's a deal breaker i mean because things could always be fixed just depends on how much it costs so and foundational issues are one of those things where it's a double-edged sword because a lot of times i have used that to take off a huge discount on a purchase as an investor, knowing that, you know, all right, this looks terrible because the floors are sloping, but it's actually going to be like a $2,000 fix and I might get a $10,000 difference on the price in mentioning it. So it's, I've definitely used it as a play to purchase with a better deal. And I've also had it as an issue, it come up as an issue from a selling perspective and it's never fun. You know, then people might walk away and I'm like, it's really not that big of a deal. But mm -hmm. then, I, and then I've recently been educated on the sill plate and I, which, so can you just explain a little bit about like the way the foundation of a home is set up and how the floors might slope? Um, because there's all these different ways. Yeah, so um, a lot of these older homes you'll see in our area, um, like downtown Louisville, for example, um, you'll see uh, old wood destroying insect damage or moisture damage that's compromised like the floor structure. So you have your foundation wall. Uh, on top of that wall, you have your what they call a sill plate. And that's usually like a, a two by four or a two by six uh, laying flat on top of there. And that's what your floor structure is then built upon. A two um, by four or a two by six of wood, right? Uh, treated treated lumber, yes, yeah. Or supposed to be um, treated lumber. <laughs> supposed to be again, treated these are, lumber. Could yeah. be from a hundred years ago. And yeah, what that, that makes. Go ahead. Sorry. sorry, I was gonna say I've never understood why they use wood for that, especially like now that we have better materials available. Do they still use wood, or is it now something else? No, it's still it's still wood because your floor joists are then sitting on top of that and like oh, toenailed gotcha. uh, or screwed, however they do it, uh, anchored into that at that point. So, um, but that that perimeter like sill plate and band board, um, it is a like 
a breeding ground for moisture issues, for termites. Uh, that's their first area that they're going to inhabit in a home. So like outside, if you have grading issues or you've got ponding water around your house, stuff like that, it's going to find its way into that, that initial floor structure area. Uh, and the termites as well, uh, that's the first area that they, they come into contact with. So those areas, when they're compromised by moisture or wood-destroying insects, uh, that's where you're going to see the sloping floors and stuff like that. As soon as those are compromised or deteriorating or damaged, that's that's what causes the floor joists to move as well. And that's when, when you'll see the sloping and stuff like that in homes. So there's uh, sloping that can come from the exterior wall, it sounds like, which are more of a quote-unquote foundation issue. And then sometimes I've seen too where it's just the joists have deteriorated and they're, so you can also get like a sagging in the middle of the floor. So mm -hmm. I, I think I'm realizing in our conversation right now that that's the best way to distinguish whether or not, you know, it, it, if it's sagging in the middle of the floor, it's more likely that it's coming from a floor joist that is deteriorating or if it's on yeah i mean there, there's really like three causes of that i mean it could just be normal settlement with a home uh all homes settle so it's just something that's going to happen uh it could be moisture damage or wood destroying insect damage um, all those three things can compromise and affect uh, your floor structure and foundation and you can jack up a house ladies and gentlemen and you literally do it with the car jack <laughs> it's <Yes>. crazy <laughs> it's crazy and i have um rehabbed a house and then later decided to fix it up and that was very actually that one had a wall that was bowing out and we pulled the wall back in and then like re-bolted it down i mean it, it was intense it was a very 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 intense project and everyone was like your drywall is going to crack your windows are going to break and we just kind of had to cross our fingers and hold our breath and we did <laughs> and, and it came i mean it worked and it did not break anything but it was it was definitely scary uh but again you know it's one of those things where it can go it can be an advantageous thing for getting a good deal if you feel comfortable with the fix or it can kill a deal so um, another thing that I wanted to ask you about that I've seen come up as an issue after the fact for my clients, buyers and sellers, the AC, how do you test it in the winter and how do you test the heat in the summer? What do you recommend for this? Um, I just spoke to some agents about this yesterday, actually. Um, testing the AC in the winter, we really cannot test for, uh, test the proper functioning and operation of an AC unit. Uh, if the temperature is below 60 degrees. So in uh, in an outside condenser unit, you have a compressor that is oil filled. And if the temperature is too low, uh, the oil in there can gunk up and it can compromise the, the functioning and operation of that compressor. So uh, what we typically do in the wintertime, we do notate that um, the temperature was too low and we recommend an HVAC person come out and certify it. So they could do different things than we're allowed to do uh, with gauges and stuff like that and uh, ensure that it, it will or should operate properly whenever the temperature will allow. Uh, as far as the 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 heat in the summer, uh, you can test for heat in the summer. So most, uh, you see a combination of um, 
different types of furnaces in our area. So gas fired uh, furnaces, those are completely fine to fire up in the summertime. Uh, and you turn them on just briefly, make sure the flames are all lighting properly and cleanly, and then test for the carbon monoxide. You see a lot of heat pumps in our area now. So you can technically turn on an electric heat pump uh, on emergency heat mode in the summertime, uh, no more than 10 minutes. So if you run it longer than 10 minutes, uh, it could compromise or damage the unit. So uh, you could briefly kick it on, uh, put your thermometer on one of the, the supplies and see if it's producing hot air and, and shut that back off. But uh, all, all furnaces and air conditioners like will open up and visually inspect for rust corrosion. We try to dictate as many deficiencies as we can find on those to, uh, to warrant a, um, a HVAC professional to come out and then document it on a professional invoice and stuff that they've, they've inspected it and certified it as well. So just to make it idiot proof, you cannot test an AC in the winter, but you can definitely have an HVAC company come out and certify that it looks like it should be working properly. Yes, properly according correct. To them. That and is then correct. for the heat, you can test the heat in the summer, but you don't want to do it longer than 10 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the gas furnaces, again, are okay. That's not going to hurt anything. A heat pump, uh, you do not want to run longer than a few minutes or you could compromise it in the summertime. Gotcha. Okay, so some of the more fun topics, I think, for me or are going to be what is the worst, I don't want to say, I guess project, I don't want to say improvement because sometimes they're not necessarily an improvement, but what is the worst DIY project you have encountered on a home inspection? Um, I don't know about a singular, like, worst item that we found that, that we, we commonly see uh, handyman electric stuff on like every single home. Uh, you got a lot of these new outlets out with like the USB ports on them and stuff and mm -hmm. um, and people all of a sudden think they're Chip or Joanna and go in and start switching out outlets and stuff and they, they don't know how to wire them properly and, and we test for proper like wiring on every accessible outlet and stuff and Every time I go into a home and you see those, I'm like, I guarantee that's wired incorrectly. And like 99% of the time, is, is you could tell it's just the homeowner that has switched that out and then wired it incorrectly with like creating a safety hazard and stuff like that with it. Yeah, I guess now that you mention it, I think electrical is the most problematic DIY stuff that comes up on inspections for sure. Uh, oh, another DIY that I came across that we ended up having to walk away from the deal. The homeowner's dad... I think was a contractor and he must have been very comfortable with siding. So he rewrapped this whole house, but they didn't do any flashing for the siding. So you, I mean, you could just like pull it apart at the corners. There were no like end cap pieces. And then even on the soffit underneath, they, I guess, forgot about it before they put the siding up. So they put the soffit up after the fact I mean, everything, it, they entirely rewrapped this house and it had, it needed to completely come off and be completely redone. Not to mention there were foundational issues where the house had dropped. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, that, that stuff you have to leave to the, to the specialists yes. or trusted professionals. Yeah, I'm like, siding looks easy, but if you do it out of place, you've completely done, you know, it was pointless. Uh, okay, what is the repair that you recommend buyers have fixed the most? Um, so literally every single home we come across, um, it, 
it's just a common maintenance problem that people don't really keep a lookout for and do not keep up with ever. But um, every home, we tell people basically buy a case of caulking uh, for the outside. That's something nobody ever checks or keeps up with. Caulking only has uh, so long of a, a lifespan before it starts to dry and crack and separate uh, or fall out. But um, literally every single home we come into, it's something that's important uh, that many people just don't know about or think about like I said but any any utility penetrations that you have uh, any windows doors they all need to be sealed around properly to help keep your home energy efficient and keep moisture uh, from intruding into those areas so like even around your trim um, your siding uh, roof penetrations like you name it on the outside it needs sealed around properly and also maintained so caulking only usually has like maybe like a five to seven year life span before it needs to either be redone or completely like scraped off and redone but um yeah a lot majority of the homes we come across uh, it's funny we just tell people like uh like eight of these issues on here go to home depot or lowe's and buy a case of caulk and you can diy that yourself so and just to help our listeners uh when you are caulking outside you want to use a silicone based caulk correct Yes, there's different different caulks for different applications. You'll see some that are exterior rated. Uh, it can be a it could be a silicone base or like a polyurethane inside around tubs and uh, kitchens and stuff like that. T like kitchens and bathrooms, they're more of a silicone base, which is like a waterproof uh, caulking. And then for like inside, there's um, for walls and trim and stuff. They have paintable caulks, which are latex based, which take paint better. Uh, most silicones do not take paint at all. So just something to keep in mind. There's different ones for different applications. I think cracking baseboards is one of the easiest repairs for sellers that I'm all, it's one of my favorite recommendations to people is to paint your baseboards. But you know, if they're cracked, you need to caulk them first. And white caulk, I found this out the other day that white grout, they like know that it comes out yellow. So there's mm -hmm. avalanche colored grout that comes out white. And I'm like, really? Why don't, why, why would we do that? But anyways, caulk, if you don't paint on top of it does t come out looking yellow. So I've seen as an investor flipper, if the contractors caulk the baseboards, I'm excited about that, but I have never seen them go in and paint it afterwards, but I feel like it's always really important um, aesthetically to paint after you caulk because it comes out looking a little yellow pretty quickly over time if you don't do so. But if you do just hit it with paint right after it's, you know, a week or so after it's done or even immediately, then it's going to have a much longer life expectancy aesthetically. But yeah, it's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite fixes. Got that from my friend Annie who co-hosted Fixin' Vixens with me. We called her the caulk queen she really just would, she would go in after, you know, when you think you're done with the project and go in and caulk everything and people don't understand the psychological impact it has on buyers to see absolutely no cracks, you know, and it's like even in corners or underneath a, a doorway, the framing at the bottom of a doorway, a lot of times like where the baseboards have the cuts basically, which are, you're going to see more in a corner that it's so important to caulk those holes. So caulk everything, people. <laughs>
Uh, well, Nick, thank you very much. Uh, you guys are such an inspiration for other inspectors and how they could be operating better. And I really, I need to use you guys more than I do. I've always dealt with kind of clients that wanted to uh, be more cost effective, I think. But after our conversation today, I'm sold that your experience and education is definitely worth the 10 or $20, <laughs> maybe if that, that they might pay extra and getting some newbie off the street to do it. And it's really, really well worth it. But on uh, that I, note, I, I, I tell people on a daily basis, don't hire the cheap home inspector. So you, yeah. you, you, you get what you pay for with it, to be honest. So no doubt, no doubt. And um, I always, I, every time I ask you this, how much does it cost? But will you just give people <laughs> an idea of if they were going to get a general home inspection and then a radon home inspection and a termite home inspection what they could all right do. so average cost uh a typical size home on a basement or slab foundation uh 2000 square feet for instance um it'll run you about 375 for the inspection uh the radon test is an additional 150 dollars and then the termite or wood destroying insect inspection which we uh, highly recommend for all homes uh is an additional 50 dollars so uh yeah not not terribly expensive to be honest but it is it's it's your money most well spent through the whole process of purchasing a home and listeners i did the math on that as he was talking and the total comes out to 575 and i'm laughing because we literally have this conversation every single time i'm about to send him somebody so 575 is now the number that i'm going to tell my clients to expect when considering inspections and you can yeah, that, that is the that is the base price though so right, uh, right, a lot right. of a lot of variables in that so i mean their <laughs> crawl spaces cost a little extra uh larger square feet the price does go up because it does take more time for us and stuff but yeah that is the like base price for a full-blown uh home inspection with the additional services we, we could do a love love the agent 25 dollar discount <laughs> Ooh, there we go. How about that, listeners? Your <laughs> all's um, company is amazing. They serve Louisville, New Albany, and surrounding areas. They are accredited on Angie's List, Yelp, and they have over 367 Google reviews. I have used them personally several times. My clients have always been satisfied and happy with their work and impressed with their findings. You can visit them online at www.yourrightchoice.com and that's spelled your W-R-I-G-H-T choice.com or you can call them at 502-822-6484. Email them at info at yourrightchoice.com and they are on Facebook and Instagram at your right and again that's w-r-i-g-h-t choice.com well nick thank you so much for your time today do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners uh, that is it i appreciate you having us on today and i uh, greatly appreciate your time ditto and we will be in touch with you on social media and you guys should really check out their work they do impressive stuff and they also offer helpful tips on their platforms as well so they offer free advice as well <laughs> <laughs> Show me some. 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 Show me some.